A good friend of mine once suggested, probably deep within the first couple of years of his practice of law, about doing a realistic TV show about what the practice of law is like. He wanted to just have a camera set up at the end of his desk, watching him, recording him, researching and reading and writing, and occasionally sighing very, very deeply. Obviously, not the most dramatic version of the practice of law and definitely leaves a little bit to be desired compared to the you-can't-handle-the-truth moments. But the point is is that sometimes we gloss over the hard work of things and just go straight to the you know more sexy, attractive, let's dive deep into this. When you see an expose written by an author, you know whether it's a book, a long-form article, whatever it happens to be, you just see a, a snippet, a little clip of that interaction between the author and the subject matter of which he or she is writing about. So, for example, Woodward and Bernstein or any of the books that they've written as, as a result of politics or an expose on one of your favorite you know celebrities from GQ or Esquire. You miss literally days worth of work in relationship building and time spent with the subject of that piece. All you get is the few minutes of them talking that come as a result of a lot of heavy and hard lifting work. The way that Celine and Alan and I have put together this show based on it being a hobby of a hobby for us is sometimes we don't get the benefit of that additional time that you would if you were a full-time reporter for Esquire or GQ, The Washington Post, LA Times, New York Times, whatever it happens to be. We're not them. We don't have that luxury. So sometimes we have to gloss by and through some things, and sometimes we enter into an interview without being overly prepared. We get lucky from time to time. The subjects of our interviews open up really quickly, and they give us access to things that you would not normally get access to in a in a base-level conversation with somebody you just met, especially when there's a microphone involved. But for the episodes that we've really landed with our guests and that have really come through, you see the end result of days and weeks and months and in some cases years of relationship building. You see that evolution so that you can tell the most complete, well-rounded story of the subject, the story that they all deserve. This entire effort, the Project Echelon Files, is that type of work. I want to slow everything down for you. I want to increase the length by which we get to meet these three individuals and we get to follow them from April all the way through to the end of the season and maybe even beyond. There's no real dead end to this series, but it's an evolution where these three individuals go and how they get there. We want you to see the ups and the downs. We want you to see the real life. The creation of this episode, this first episode of the Project Echelon Files, took 30 hours worth of bike racing and 500 miles. Me getting dropped twice, cracking so viciously that I think that there might be Guinness Book of World Records following me around for how awful I felt that one day. And all of that 
was before I even asked the first question of Ricky, Ethan, or Monk. This is my effort to give you the in-depth view of who these guys are so that you can appreciate them when they race and all the people around them who are racing with them. My name is Rob Kelly. This is Criterium Nation, a show about life lived one corner at a time. We are a proud member of the Wide Angle Podium network of shows. WideAnglePodium.com is the home for the full bevy, the lineup of lineup of shows that are the Internet's only top-tier collection of independent cycling media. Please go there, take a look at everything from the Slow Ride podcast all the way to Cyclocross Radio and everything in between. Please become a member and subscriber and help support this content creator-owned effort. We are brought to you this week by our good friends at Manscaped. Manscaped.com is your home for all good things related to men's grooming, whether it's the Ultra Premium Kit or it happens to be the Lawnmower 4.0 or the Weed Whacker. These are the things that are designed to make you look and feel your best. I've been enjoying, as I've talked about a couple of times already, the Ultra Premium Collection. It's in my shower right now. It is helping keep me fresh. It has helped keeping me active. It has helped keep me feeling my best. And I want you guys to feel your best, too, when you step out of the shower and go into this brave world that we live in. So go to manscaped.com, find what you're looking for there, and use the promo code CRITERIUMNATION, all one word, for 20% off plus free shipping. We are also brought to you this week by our good friends at Hammerhead. Hammerhead.io is the destination on the World Wide Web that you can go to to learn about the Karoo 2. I went and did something foolish this weekend. I raced my first gravel race. It was foolish only because I was woefully unprepared for 135 or 120 kilometers or whatever it happened to be worth of gravel and mountains and all of it. I don't know if you can ever actually really be prepared for that first one, but I was able to survive that event because of the Karoo 2. The mapping feature on the Karoo 2 guided me point to point to point to point, and it was easy to set up and easy to put everything on there. And also... This was too much information, but good information. This was TMI, but that good TMI, the climber feature on the Karoo 2. I did not think that that would be valuable to me. I did not think that a crit racer would necessarily need to know all about the climbs that are coming up, but it proved to be really valuable for this gravel race because there were two substantial mountain passes in there and I knew what was coming up ahead of me. I was able to gauge my effort a little bit better and make sure that I had energy to get up and over the top plus going down the backside. On top of that, it was super motivational for me at one point in time when things got a little bit ugly and a little bit dicey. I looked down. I didn't know the road and I didn't know the route and I didn't know how far around that corner up in front of me this hill was going to go. And I looked down and it said 0.2 kilometers and only five more meters of climbing. I was like, well, heck, I can hang from my thumbs for 0.2 kilometers and five more meters. And I did it. Got to the top of that with the lead group, descended down the backside of it, rested, recovered, did it again and again and again. 
go to hammerhead.io, use the promo code Criterium Nation for your very own free custom color kit plus a premium water bottle. That is Crit Nation. Sorry, I said the wrong one the first time. Use that promo code at checkout for a custom color kit plus a free premium water bottle. So here's how this episode works. This episode, The Project Echelon Files, Ricky Arnopel, Brandon Fury, and Ethan Crane, all three of us sat down to talk. This is by design the first chapter of this story. This is where you are introduced to these guys. This is not where you learn everything about them. This is just our effort to lay a foundation so that we all start from the same place. In order to do that, I asked each of them the same three very broad, open-ended questions. How did they get here? Why Project Echelon? And where do we go from here? I let them guide the conversation from that point on out. So each of them has their own unique discussion that follows that. We will dive deeper and deeper into what is happening and who these guys are as the season goes along. But at least we all are starting from the same point. Each episode will open and close with a brief message from Eric Hill, the owner and manager of the team, or one of the other leaders. In this particular instance, Eric Hill is here to tell us why this year, why 2022 is better already than where they were in 2021, and then leaves us at the end of the episode after we talk with Ethan about where this team is going. What are the next steps in reaching the ultimate ambition for what is Project Echelon? We're doing all of that, and we're doing that right now. As we enter 2022, the team is certainly setting a goal for itself to be recognized as the best all-around team in North America. We're definitely a, a stronger stage race team uh, than we are a Criterium team. I think our history shows that, but we've put a lot of time, energy, and resources into ensuring that we improve in all aspects of our program. We're gonna be targeting those major stage races um, in North America, Redlands, Gila, Joe Martin, Tour de Beauce, Green Mountain Stage Race, uh, certainly putting a large focus on professional national championships as well. But the American Criterium Series is is going to be a, a focal point for us too. Um, and we're going to go after that, including alternative criteriums. You know, Armed Forces Cycling Classic, Stephen Vogel uh, was the overall champion of that again. We're going to go there and, and defend that. Bucks County Classic didn't go the way we wanted it to last year. That's a race I believe we can win, um, just given the parkour and the length and difficulty of that event. Uh, we'd like to go uh, perform there. Tour of America's Dairyland is a, an event extremely important to us and our partners, um, many of which are from the state of Wisconsin. That is going to be a focal, focal point for us too. But overall, the, the level is higher. Um, the expectations are higher and we are all holding each other accountable. And a large part of that is due to some of the new riders and leadership that we've brought in. You know, we had so much talent uh, the last two years with the addition of the likes of 
uh, of Zach Gregg, of, of Steven Vogel, of Brandon Fury, you know, just so many talented, hungry, and experienced people coming in. We're already a close-knit group, but when you start adding in the Tyler Stites, the Jordan Shanes, and the experience that he's had with Jelly Belly and Elevate Webplex, and you combine that with the young and hungry talent of Will Harden and Hugo Scala and Ethan Crane um, and the results that they've already proven they can get. And you put that together uh, with the combined experience of George Simpson, Matt Zimmer, Ricky, Arnipole. I mean, all of our guys. There's just so much depth, so much experience, so much camaraderie there. I think if we put our minds to it, we're gonna achieve it. That's where we're at. And we have the confidence uh, in ourselves and in one another to make that a reality. And to me, that that is uh, something we've talked about in the past, but that's that is new this year. That is something that we carry with us everywhere we go, and I'm I'm just really excited about what's possible because of it. My name is Ricky Arnipal. I race for Project Echelon Racing, and I am currently living in Boulder, Colorado, but I am from Chicago. Ricky, we are going to do a full season of shows with you in order for people to get to know Ricky Arnipal. I'm pronouncing that right? That is right. Yeah. Okay. Killing it. I, I'm, I've been studying. The whole thing here is for us to set the ground kind of floor for people so that when you succeed... They know who you are when you have troubles. They know who you are. They know all the ups and downs because they've got that baseline. Nice. So let's start first and foremost. How did you get here? It was it was good that you asked that because I had a second to think about it. And I realized that here being the fifth year on Project Echelon, currently at Team Camp starts before I was on Project Echelon. It started probably in the first year that I was racing and caught the racing bug, which was in college. And I had raced before that, actually. I'd raced in high school and I absolutely hated it. Like I did it because I was a fan of cycling. Like I liked riding fixed gears and wearing jerseys and and stuff like that. But I didn't really start racing until I was in college when I was in Seattle. And I just got injured like all the time. And it mostly boiled down to I was like too skinny at the time because I thought that's what you needed to succeed in cycling. And you know, I have a lot hindsight. It's 2020. But um, I got injured all the time. And so like I was constantly never having like full seasons and getting like little bits of like success along the way and then setbacks. So it was like one step forward, two steps back. That's like what it felt like. And, you know, I when I started to gain a little more traction and get a little more success, I got on a good team um, that was based out of Chicago. It was like if you were in Chicago, it was the team you wanted to be on. It was Ego, presented by Sammy's. You remember that one? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So it was a good one. And I remember right when I became a Cat 1, like a week after, I got smoked by a car with my friend. Like, guy hit us going 60 miles an hour straight on from behind. I was fortunate enough to come away, like, mainly unscathed. I had a very kind of weird freak accident where the bike actually folded behind me and the chainstay went through the back of my knee. And there was like a like a three inch piece of carbon just sticking into the back of my knee that required surgery. But like other than that, I'd be like mainly unscathed. Like you fast forward another year. I overcame that, 
Surgery was fine. Started racing again. Started training. 2017, I had just moved to Boulder, Colorado, and I was racing for a local team there, and I got hit by another car. That was a much bigger one. I got hit going down a hill pretty much. I T-boned a car going about 35 to 40 and broke like it was something like 12 or 14 bones all along the right side, punctured lung, broken pelvis, scar on my face is from my sunglasses just shearing it wide open. So that was like the biggest offset I ever had. And that was almost a year off the bike, not walking for months. It was something like six or seven surgeries later. And it's funny because most people after that, like when I was in the hospital, ask you like, are you going to ride bikes after this? Like, aren't you scared? And I was like, honestly, no, like not riding wouldn't really solve the problem if I was just living in fear the rest of my life. So that was kind of a turning point when I knew I had a lot still to achieve in the sport and a lot I wanted to kind of accomplish. So I think that actually gave me a tongue of longevity, which I think got me here because like I'm 29, I'm not young, but I still feel pretty fresh in the sport because I've had like year after year of setbacks. And it wasn't really until I got on Project Echelon that I've like, you know, fingers crossed, gotten away pretty much injury free, no major events, just like compound year after year. It feels like 2018 when I got on the team was like, I was you know just starting out because I was never done any big national level races before. It was all like regional cat one, two kind of thing. And then from there, it's like crazy what happens when you you know, put one, two, three, four years and I'm on my fifth year on the team and I feel like I have so much experience under my belt and I still feel like I'm learning a ton, still feel like I'm just figuring out how to be successful. It wasn't like I joke and I always say like I kind of sucked until last year and it's because I'm finally figuring out what racing's all about and I'm trying to still like, you know, we go to Europe and it's like you're a freaking amateur again there. So it's been kind of a wild journey up until this point, but it wasn't really until I was on the team that I kind of found some stability and some level of like just being able to build on a base. Why Project Echelon? You are one of the old guys on the team as far as being one of the originals. The team's been around for six years. You've been on the team for five. So why Project Echelon? It was interesting. 2017, after I gotten hit I considered for a second kind of, you know, just taking a step back and just racing locally. And I had actually reached out to Eric, the owner of the team. And I knew about the team. Like I knew it was kind of on the same level of the team that I'd previously been on, which was kind of like a lower domestic elite team trying to figure their shit out, basically. And I reached out and he said it was full. He was like, sorry, man. Like, because we had known each other, actually. We both, you know, were from the Midwest. I'd seen him at races. I'd talked to him before. Like we knew who we were. And he was like, sorry, man, the team is full. Like, I really wish I could. And I was like, ah, shoot. So I like really didn't have a team. And I think it was it was late. It was like December or something like that. I got a call from him. He's like, hey, man, like we have a spot open. Do you want it? And I was like, right there. Like, yeah, of course. And so at the time, I don't want to call it necessity, but I I didn't have any other options. And I still really wanted to race. And I, I a lot of teams, you know, focus... I know this is Criterium Nation. A lot of teams focus on criteriums, but you know, I really excel in stage racing and climbing and road racing. And it's really hard here in the United States to be able to find a team that wants to focus on that along with crits. You know, the two go hand in hand. If you want to do stage racing, you still have to be good at crits. But to find a team that's 
willing to commit to do the full North American pro road tour schedule is pretty rare here. And so at the time I was like, yeah, this is like the only opportunity I'm going to get. And then, you know, since being on the team, it was pretty grassroots at the time. But every single year, you know, I could see some glimmer of like this team's progressing, like this team's gaining traction. And at the time, you know, Eric was really receptive to our feedback. You know, I didn't know how to run a team, but I knew a lot of small things that I think could help the team along the way. And it was like even simple stuff like kit design. You know, like I feel like I've helped Eric a lot with like little stuff with kit design and like I'm not a marketing expert or anything, but yeah, I come from like an art background. I know it looks good and I know kind of sometimes what sponsors want to see. And so from there, I'm like, yeah, like every year we're picking up a few guys, like half the guys on the team were people that I knew from racing in the Midwest were a very Midwest based team. So you look like Matt Zimmer, Evan Hardig, Tim Savory, Peter Olenicek. Those guys were all on the same team. Like I knew them and we slowly started picking them up year by year. And these are guys that I knew were kind of in a similar boat as me. It's like the sport was kind of in a lull and they weren't able to get a better deal. But you, you know, start taking the best of these smaller teams and putting them on one, you're eventually going to have a pretty good team. And then, you know, something like 2019 was, I think, the first season where we're like, holy crap, we're actually not that bad. You know, we're doing well at the national level. And then it kind of continued from there to the point where people want to be on this team. And being one of the original people, you know, I don't want to say at all that I was grandfathered on this team. I want to say every year that I worked really hard to be able to gain the the spots on the rosters that I did. And I think along with that, you know, I worked really hard myself to be able to be a leader on the team and to be able to go for my own opportunities. And I think that's kind of where I'm at right now is where I'm in a leadership role, which is really cool to see. But it's also cool to see the progress of the team. And I feel like my level has kind of risen at the exact same level that the teams has. So we're kind of like in this meeting point right now. It's very cool. Where do we go from here? It's March. Some of the guys have started racing already. Tucson Bicycle Classic and, you know, Valley of the Sun have already happened. They've been double wins mm-hmm. for the team. But where do you go from here? What's what's next? So it's a really full season and I'm really excited because honestly, we haven't been able to do this since 2019. Like Redlands and Gila, those both got cut out in 2020 and 2021 like you said, I was fortunate enough to be on both winning squads for Valley of the Sun and Tucson Bicycle Classic. I spent about a month in Tucson and laid a very good groundwork. And from here, it's like everything's almost done, you know, like I've trained to the best of my ability. I've had a really great winter. And then it's about three weeks from now, we're going to be Redlands. And that's one of my targets for the year. So Redlands and then two days later, or I guess rather three with two days in between, we start Tour of the Gila. So like I joke and call it the the, the North American Grand Tour, it's going to be 10 days of racing in 12 days. So those are the goals right there. And then, honestly, in my opinion, I think we're one of the best teams in the country. And we have a really good shot at winning that between myself, Tyler, anyone else on the team. I mean, could win stages, could win the overall, you don't know. And then from there, we have a full calendar. Bose in Canada, Joe Martin here, Pro Nationals, and then hop over to Europe again. And that's really another one of those big targets every year you go to europe you gain so much experience and it's such a different type of racing and different level of racing that you look forward to it so much even if you get your teeth kicked in a little bit you get better and better every time
My name is Brandon Fury. I am from Chicago, but I go by Monk. Brandon, you are one of the guys on Project Echelon. Obviously, you wouldn't be on this show if you weren't. So the question that I got to ask you and that everybody wants to know is, how did you get here? Let's take it back to the beginning. Uh, My dad, he raced growing up. Um, He started racing when he was maybe 21, 22. And uh, my brother and I, we went to his races. My sister, whole family went to the races with him, supported him, fell in love with the sport used it as more of training for hockey. I grew up as a hockey player, played hockey since I was four and needed another sport to kind of stay in shape for that. And over the years, just fell in love with the racing, the scene, the crowds, everything. So yeah, that's what got me here. Why this team? You're, you know, you've been on this team for a few years now. You're one of the most popular riders in the south side of Chicago, for sure, based on fan polls from Intelligentsia Cup last year. You are the most popular guy in the field. Why this team? Why Project Echelon? Why Project Echelon? Because it's a home. Every rider is a family member. Um, what they're doing day to day for veterans, for the whole team for the world, for the United States. It is a huge community that I really wanted to be a part of. Growing up, I thought I might go into the military and uh, my life kind of led me in different directions. So I figured out Project Echelon would be a great fit for me to give back to those veterans who gave the ultimate sacrifice and using my skill set to help the team grow, learn, and just be able to kind of push themselves to have a more of an opportunity to grow as well. So what is that skill set? You brought it up, you're gonna use it to help everybody around you. What's that skill set? I think just kind of being a skilled bike racer, but also just using my fun, happy-going lifestyle to bring to the team, to energize the team, to energize the veterans in a different style. How do you bring that into a race? How do you bring in a personality that is energizing, exciting? You said the crowd is one of the things that you like. How do you make that personality part of your racing style? I go into it looking to have fun, making sure everyone else is having fun as well. If you're not having fun, why be there? Especially the crowd. If they're not having fun, they're not not going to come back. So every race, we are there to put on a show for the crowd. And if I could use some funny humor for the team to get them to maybe loosen up or um, for them to just kind of relax for a second before we get down to business is where I like to come in. And then during the races, like you'll see us, we don't just sit in the pack. We don't just follow moves. We try to make racing racing. We go out there every day 
lay it all on the line and whatever happens, we know we put all our efforts into making the race hard and enjoyable for the fans to see as well. Where do you find yourself on this team? What role are you looking to fill? My goal for this team is just just being there for all the other riders. I've had the great opportunity to be in this sport for about 16 years now. I've raced professionally on other teams. Um, just being a, a support rider to the younger riders, using my knowledge, skills to just help the team grow in any aspect that I can bring to the team. You've won bike races. That's not usual. For a lot of people who are athletes, even guys who get up to the pro one, two level, winning is abnormal. When you were at Intelligentsia Cup last year, you won several races. What is that feeling like knowing that you've got that team behind you, that there were five other guys who were there with you and you ultimately were the one who pulled off the win? Winning is an unbelievably amazing feeling. It It is hard to describe. Like You know that you have the skill set. You know how to put it into play. But actually doing that is the hardest thing. And when it all comes together, you know it's not just kind of your work. It's the whole team. Everyone did their job to make sure that happened. But honestly, for me... Winning is something that I love, but I love to see my teammates win, not just myself. It becomes a huge goal for me to see everyone on the team get wins under their belt. It is just an amazing feeling that everyone should experience. And with this team, we have an unbelievably skill set team that is going to rock every race in every situation. So I'm super excited for this year. We're here in March. It's at team camp. People are going to listen to this episode in the very, very beginning of April. So we know that racing has started in some parts of the United States, not yet in others. Where do we go from here for you? Um, so we, we start for me. Um, we have a few local races in Tennessee and but the first team race will be Sunny King, which is an unbelievably put on race. The crowds are huge. The the video that people can watch is huge at home. It's going to start there and grow um, to other places like Air Force. But we have a huge kind of list that we want to do well at these races. And we're going to start the season early and not give up. How do you have this amazing list, but still keep focused? How do you not burn out during the course of the year? Honestly, it's just taking it one race at a time. We know our schedule. We have a schedule that's kind of set for each individual rider, but it's just looking at that next race that we're going to do and putting all our hats into that next race and growing from race to race to see what we need to do better. How do you get there? You know, is this is this a monk-driven experience? Is this a, you know, Eric Hill-driven experience? 
Is this a total unit? You know, how does the team get to that goal? It's it's a unit. We are a family and we use that family aspect to put put the right right riders um, into those races that maybe their skill sets will be shown and when those skill sets can come out we know we'll be able to succeed and ultimately for you if there was a race week or race weekend or two races during the 2022 season that you were laser focused in what would those be for me every race honestly we as a team are going to grow from the first race that we step foot in to the last one Um, but for me honestly it is just going into every race with a full full full, glass full um, full head of steam to use what we can to succeed Ethan Crane, and I'm from New Zealand. What part of New Zealand? That's like saying, I'm Rob Kelly, I'm from Illinois. I'm from a small city called Palmerston North, just outside of Wellington. And given that most of our listeners, except for the two or three that rabid fans that we have in Wellington, and one in Christchurch, where in the world is north of Wellington? So, most people from America are pretty familiar with Australia. We are kind of uh, southeast of that country. Um, I'm in the North Island. Uh, New Zealand is split into two islands, if you didn't know. And I'm kind of mid-south of the North Island, where it's pretty flat. uh, It's windy, and there's not a lot going on but it's a good place to live, go to school, and yeah, it's a good cycling community. Uh, A lot of great cyclists have come from the area. A lot of cyclists that have raced in America previously come from Palmerston North. Yeah. Like who? Because I I mean, you've listed the names to me of people who were right down the street from you growing up, who you were riding with, and these guys are legitimately well-known bike racers. Yeah, correct. Um, so, most notably in America would be uh, Joel Yates. He rode on Gateway for a number of years, one of America's bigger teams. Um, he raced all the crits. They went to Guatemala and he won a big stage there. He then moved on to a continental team that raced in Belgium last year. Um, we also have Campbell Stewart who is now riding for Bike Exchange in the World Tour, and Robert Stannard, who rides for Alberson Phoenix. Um, these are all guys that I went to high school with. They were, they were seniors when I was a junior, so we kind of shared one year together before they left. But they were always around the, the local cycling scene, uh, club races on the weekends, that kind of stuff. So it was really cool to look up to those guys when I was younger. They were always riding in, you know, national kit, um, which is always something I wanted to be a part of. So it was really cool to just to just to be around them when I was younger, growing up. 
So how did you get here? I mean, Winston-Salem, North Carolina, is a far cry from the North Island of New Zealand. How did you get here? Um, it's a it's an interesting story. One, it takes a little bit to explain. So the way it goes is there is a guy named Luke Mudgeway who is about he's like five five or so years older than me. He came to America by himself one year to race the the crit scene. So he was here doing everything by himself. He went to Tour of America's Dairylands that he actually won that year solo where New England Development kind of got in touch with him and they helped him out a little bit with uh, housing and that kind of stuff just just while he was uh, staying for his short period. He then gave the New England contact info to one of my friends who's a year older than me um, he wanted to do the same when he left high school. He wanted to come to America, do the summer of uh, crit racing, you know, Dairylands, Intelligentsia, uh, Tulsa, all those bigger races. So he got in touch with New England. They they hooked him up with housing, race entries, travel to the races, all that kind of stuff for the summer. That was summer 2019, uh, which was my last year of high school. So he came over, had a blast. He won two stages of Intelligentsia, came back, and he was telling me all about it, how fun it was, the racing, the crit racing scene. Where in New Zealand, we don't really have anything like that. It's all road racing, stage races. So it was something I was super interested in. So graduating high school, that was the plan. 2020, I'm coming over to America for the summer, and I'm going to race some crits, see how it goes. And then COVID hit and I was stuck in New Zealand for the year. And at the time, I kind of thought I was done with cycling. You know, there was there was no racing. I had kind of lost motivation to train and just wanted to kind of stay, do the whole uni thing and uh, kind of get my life away from cycling and into the, the real wor- world, as to say. But towards the end of 2020, things started opening up races were starting to happen again and I would go to these races and I kind of remembered how how fun cycling can be so I got in touch with New England over the 2020-21 period and kind of decided I wanted to come just try it out I my expectations were very low um, I wasn't expecting to to win anything I just wanted to have the experience to say that I'd kind of done it, I'd come to America, tried it out, done the whole crit thing, and I could even if I got smashed, I could go home and be happy that I tried it. So they were they were super cool. New England, Stephen Jetty, Vivian, all those guys um, really helped me out. They hooked me up with a, a house to stay, a car to drive for the summer. Um, they brought in a whole bunch of guys my age to create a super cool team environment in uh, Boston where I was living and uh, yeah we had a blast the summer was awesome I was just we were just enjoying it a bunch of teammates and I went to California in between races just to train and hang out which was awesome uh, and then you know we got to these bigger races Dairylands um, and I started doing all right I got a couple podiums and ended up second overall there uh, which kind of gave me a, a confidence boost. 
uh, going into the later races in the season. And then I just kind of leapfrogged from there, trying to trying to get up there. I was trying to stay within the top five most of these crit races. I really enjoyed the the technical argy bargy uh, fast crits. I wasn't really afraid to put shoulders on anyone I didn't know and that kind of thing, which helped a lot. Um, and then Green Mountain was my last race in America. I won the road stage and the crit stage, which kind of got my name out there for teams going into 2022. So let me ask you this. Why Project Echelon? Because that's obviously where you are now. You're the youngest guy on the team. If people are doing math, you're 20 years old. So why Project Echelon? Uh, so Echelon, Adam Myerson, actually, who most people will know, him and I had been in touch throughout the whole year. He was a super cool guy. Super cool guy. He helped me out at Dairylands, you know, just with tactics and that kind of thing. And he knows Joe, one of the directors of the team, and he got in touch with me about Project Echelon uh, around September, September time last year. They weren't the team itself wasn't really on my radar to begin with. To be honest, I thought they were too good for me. I didn't think I was good enough to be on this team, so I wasn't even going to apply. But he gave me Joe's number, and we we started texting. And I had a call with Joe and Eric, the uh, owner of the team, and it, it went from there. I really liked the whole the the veteran mission, um, the way they support American veterans. It's not really a thing we do in New Zealand. Uh, New Zealand veterans don't nearly have as much support or respect as uh, the veterans get here. Um, so the whole the whole team mission really stood out to me. And then obviously the the race calendar was a big one, racing the crits, but also the big road stages in America. Joe Martin, Redlands, Gila uh, were big goals. I know crits are fun, but if you really want to go anywhere in the sport, road racing is kind of the way to go. And then the Europe the Europe trip was really what made me sign the contract. There were a couple teams in America that had reached out also that were that were pretty pretty good teams, but they weren't going to Europe at all. And I'd never been I've never been to Europe. I've never raced in Belgium or France before. It's something I really want to try. So having the opportunity to, to to race in America, race some crits that I really enjoy, and also have the opportunity to do the big stage races, one-day races in Europe is what really caught my eye with this team. Where do we go from here? What's next for you? Um, so from here, it's really the early season races. I want to do well at those. And then... The big the big road stages are where it's at this year for me. Joe Martin, hopefully Redlands, maybe that's a maybe for me at the moment. And then Europe is is a big goal. That's where I really want to do well. Just so I can see how I stack up against, you know, proper proper racing in Belgium. I know a lot of friends that have been there before and they tell me it's just so different to anything else they've ever done. So it's something really intriguing to me. If I go there and it, I just kind of get my ass kicked the whole time, it's kind of a, well, I, I tried it. I am obviously just don't have it. 
I guess maybe I should kind of set my sights to something more realistic, but I definitely want to give that a good crack while I'm there. Let's dive deeper into that. What do you want out of this sport? Let's say that you get all the dreams that you want to come true. What does that look like for Ethan? I guess I guess the the real dream would be kind of like a, a world tour team, um, but that is a big dream. I know, you know, I'm I'm kind of even though I'm 20 years old, I'm kind of getting too old already. You know, there's people that are only a year or two older than me that are winning the Tour de France, so um, my window is pretty small if I want to progress any further. So this year is really if I. By the end of this year, I want to be on a, a bigger team, you know, at least continental, uh, something like that would be, would be a goal that I'd be happy, happy with. Um, if I would, was to get on a team like that, a continental team, and not go any further, that's also fine. I can just say I gave it a crack, um, I did my best, tried it, just I didn't have it, and that's that. But... I want to be, I want to do something that when I look back in like 40 years, I can say I gave it a good, good try and there was nothing else I could have done to go any further. So some big goals to target, not afraid to say them out loud um, and really excited to put ourselves to the test and and see if we can accomplish those. So it's going to be a really fun year to follow the team, uh, follow our successes and to learn from our mistakes and, you know, fail fast, learn quick is the name of the game. Right now, uh, our focus is week by week, race by race. But as we look to the future, you know, again, the goal is to be recognized as the best all around team. Um, racing in North America, um, and to be respected, you know, internationally as well. Um, as you know, we had the opportunity to go and race in Europe last year. We will do that again this year. We've been invited back. Uh, we've been invited to some additional races, and uh, we want to continue to expand our presence and um, hopefully be able to assert some of our strength and dominance um, in those races too. Our guys got close. Last year, it was a steep learning curve, but they showed that they belonged. And we want to go back and we want to, we want to prove it to ourselves and, and show it to others as well that, you know, racers here from the United States, um, they can race their bikes. And we want to be a part of that, be a part of that story. You know, we, we want to continue to elevate this program and its mission as well. As you know, we're a mission-driven team. Uh, our, our guys carry our mission to educate, equip, and empower veterans through physical activity. And uh, we're getting more engagement, more excitement, more support from our community. And we want to continue that. We want to grow that. And we want to use that as a catalyst for all of the work that, that we do both on and off the bike. Um, so we want to continue to grow, grow our presence in the philanthropic work um, that we do too. And we know that those two things grow together, all ships rise. And we're really excited and proud uh, of that aspect of this program. So, you know, in the end, big things are, are coming. 
and uh, we're excited for the growth and opportunity that it's going to provide us. We'll take it uh, day by day. We've got some lofty goals and big shoes that we've created for ourselves to fill, and I know we're going to get it done. Thanks for listening to another episode of the show. We are a proud part of the Wide Angle Podium network of shows. And specifically, thank you for listening to this first episode of the Project Echelon Files. We will be back in about a month after Speed Week and a couple other big races like Sunny King, which just recently happened, to talk with the guys about where they are, how Redlands went, Gila, all the good races that they've done in between now and then, and about what is next for them. So we'll follow one month at a time as these guys go through the season. Today's show was written and produced by me, Rob Kelly. We will be back next week with an episode featuring Michael Hernandez of Best Buddies Racing. So join us again next week with Celine, Alan, myself, and Michael Hernandez as we give you more stories from our Criterium Nation.